Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, this podcast is all that you get. The Ted Lasso Podcast and Post Show Recaps. You better believe it. Welcome to our Ted Lasso Talk here on Post Show Recaps Talk in Season 2, Episode 2, Lavender. You are joined here, as always, each and every week by the Robert Plant and Jimmy Paper of Podcasting, Josh Wiggler and Antonio Mazzaro. <laughs> uh, please, you got to be careful with those associations. I think there's some uh, sordid tales in the past of at least uh, one Robert Plant. I don't know about Jimmy Paper. I'm just talking about Higgins's house plant. Ah, What okay. did that do to anyone? Yeah, nothing. Just sat around. Just just potted its way through. Yeah, it's potting its way through. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, just as uh, just as Roy Kent is going to muscle his way through his first sports casting gig, we are going to go forward through our now fourth Ted Lasso podcast, our second of season two, Lavender. Do you like the name for this week's episode, Antonio? Would you want to workshop that at all? Did it need to be about the lavender scented towels that made Nate so angry? I mean, we could not have guessed, right, that like what lavender would have been, uh, when we looked at the episode title, but of course it, it fits. And I, the continued Nate, uh, the struggles of Nate are, are very funny to me. I think some people He's are so like, mad. why is Nate such a jerk? Why is he so mad? Right. A lot of people are mad. They're, they are, they're, listen, they have no wins. They have eight straight ties. I think a lot of people are on edge. I think the I recognition know, of that broke, don't fix it, right? Right. Well, I think we're looking at the push and pull of that in this episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely on the mind of the show uh, as uh, everybody seems happy, but like, uh, should, what should we be so happy? And maybe we're not so happy. Uh, so I think we're starting to like get into some surface, uh, you know, get past some surface level stuff uh, this week on Dead Last. So I, f- I feel like at least Antonio to me, like I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit more like I'm smelling the season a little bit more. It smells like lavender. Uh, and other and other things and like deep psychoanalysis and a, a Parisian bedroom, right, yeah, yeah, a Parisian bedroom, like my, my nana's house. Right? Oh my yeah. god! Uh, did it smells you, like victory. Did you uh, not yet. sleep here? Perchance to dream here. Perchance per to dream to here. Podcast here, Antonio. Uh, we're gonna get into it. Of course, you can always send in your feedback to us, Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. Send your feedback in. You can also interact with us in the Post Show Recaps Patron Discord patreon.com slash post show recaps and our Ted Lasso channel. Really active right now. Really fun conversations happening there. It's also the start of a new month. Happy August, everybody. Always a great time to sign up for the Patreon because Patreon charges you at the start of the month and charges you right when you sign up. So win-win. Just do it now. This is the time. Just rip off that Band-Aid and go on in. Keep the Band-Aid on for sanitary sake. Uh, you don't want to just rip that off. Patreon.com slash post show recaps to, to join us there. You can also tweet at us. 
I'm at Round Howard, and today it was at AC Mazzaro. How many Z's? How many R's? Two Z's and one R. It hasn't changed. It never changes, but I always have to ask. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's go into it. I mean, just like kind of like broadly before we get into all of the the different uh, specifics. Antonio, this is this is week two of season two of Ted Lasso. How are you feeling after Lavender? I'm feeling very good. I too feel like uh, I'm starting to smell the season. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have used that specific metaphor, mm. but I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Uh, yeah, I episode one in much the same way that episode one of season one uh, kind of gets us off to where are we going to find the people and you know, who are these people at the current moment that we're meeting them uh, and what are we setting up for the season uh, as far as themes go. I think season two really takes off I with this episode. I was very surprised. Uh, I We have not talked about this, but it really burned through plot um, in a way that we could have expected. They could have taken a lot of time to draw out some of these things, seeing Roy Kent's retirement speech, for example, getting Roy behind that pundit desk and actually seeing what that looks like, getting Jamie Tart back on AFC Richmond. These are all things that they could have really drawn out. Uh, We also got Ted into the office, into the doc's office. Now, granted, not for a session, but I wouldn't assume that we're going to wait very long for that session uh, based on the fact that this is uh, this is really kind of uh, hitting fast forward on a lot of stuff that they could have really taken their time with. I think we might have seen the last of Roy Kent coaching the under nines, for example, and that I would have thought we could have had a lot of fun with that throughout the season. So I appreciate that. It's usually a sign of a show that knows what it's doing, that knows where it's going, and that feels pretty good about it, that it doesn't need to stretch these things out. Um, that said, you can burn through plot too quickly and get yourself into a position uh, where you have diminishing returns. So I am interested to see um, how we make progress from here. Are we going to keep burning at this pace? I will say, I don't think we had any results, any uh, match results in this episode. So even though we did burn through a lot of storylines that they could have dragged out, as far as the story of AFC Richmond, the team, I don't think we've progressed that at all. We haven't kicked the ball any further down the field. So we still have plenty to go with regard to the story of the fortunes of the team. And if the overall arc of the season ends up with them coming back up, um, we've got plenty of room uh, to really stretch our legs out in that front. Uh, but the interpersonal dynamics are very much still front and center here uh, as opposed to the success of the team. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really enjoyed this one as well. Uh, I really, I, I really like seeing, um, I'm glad that we're not drawing out too long that, you know, Ted and Doc are going to be like extraordinary adversaries. You know, like I think like the way that they handled that this week was good. I loved seeing him not really be able to get all the way through biscuits with the boss and using that tactic here to great effect, but also that it didn't like, you know, fall on deaf ears. Like it just was, it was received differently, um, but it wasn't received, uh, you know, antagonistically necessarily. And I think that we're getting some interesting stuff with Ted specifically, some of the choices he makes, some of the decisions that he makes this week that seem not great, Others that seem uh, really great, some that fall somewhere in between, and much of those uh, decisions, um, and really so much of the story this week, um, generally, I think, threads through the return of Jamie Tart, not just in like a major way in the show, but literally to AFC Richmond by the end of the episode, uh, as he has, uh, as uh, the lust stops here. Uh, for Jamie Tart's reality <laughs> TV career, Antonio. I uh, and again, we we wouldn't we could have 
really, that's another thing we could have drawn out for weeks on end. We could have had Jamie on the show. We could have seen more show content. We could have had the Yoga Moms and Roy taking it all in. Uh, and instead, Jamie's gone from, you know, the lust stops here, or lust island or whatever we want to call it. Uh, he's gone right away and he's back on the streets. And it's, I think, a really good episode. Uh, this is probably more so than just about anyone that we've seen over the course of the series. A really good episode for Phil Dunster, the actor who plays Jamie Tart, uh, and seeing a lot, uh, a lot of different shades. The vulnerability is really, really uh, freaking me out right now. Uh, to quote one of your favorite movies, Josh, one of our favorite movies yes. in The Departed. Yes. Um, but his vulnerability really shines through throughout, and I think it's a, a great opportunity to see him uh, at his lowest moments and really see him struggling and and get him back on AFC Richmond. I will be interested to see, of course. Uh, if the Jamie Tart that we know from season one, uh, the one that predominantly we have seen in the course of the show, uh, shows up at all. Is this a true 180? Is he adjusted and is he ready to, to come back and really be dominant? Or are, are there going to be more push pull moments with Jamie Tart? Yeah. Um, I think inevitably, yes. But I think one of the things that the show does handle, um, does really well is it handles conflict in in ways that are, that are unexpected and, and typically coming part and parcel with like, character growth and pushing people into being more comfortable around each other. And I think like even, you know, the, 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 the culmination of season one is obviously that like Ted's coaching takes for Jamie. It just so happens that he's playing for the wrong team. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, uh, as, as Keely is going to say in this episode, like Jamie's being brave. He's asking questions. He's trying to figure out who he is and what he's going to do next. And like, if even Roy Kent can kind of only manage to be like lightly annoyed at the mention of Jamie Tart, uh, from his girlfriend, uh, he being his ex, her ex boyfriend, uh, and otherwise like be like pretty chill with just like the whole Jamie Tart stuff. I think like eventually the team is going to be fine with Jamie Tart is, is kind of my instinct. I think we got to deal with like a little bit of conflict around it. But also, Antonio, like, people were so mad about Jamie Tart. I'm really surprised that, like, Coach Beard gave the thumbs down personally uh, in terms of bringing Jamie back as opposed to just being like, yeah, two aces. Why not? Because, like, clearly Jamie's uh, a different guy based on uh, that um, that pass at the end of, of season one. Um, clearly, even before that, before he left for Man City, which was not his choice, he like he bared it all uh, when they were when they were all having their like uh, like clear our demons burn our demons when they were all out by the bonfire. Um, like Jamie, like really was very very open about his father and his mother and his inspiration and everything like that. So I think for for me, like that doesn't like absolve everything, but like some of the like intensity of the drama around like this is a huge mistake to bring Jamie back maybe rings a little false to me. I don't know. Is that totally unfair? I don't think it's totally unfair. I do think it's a little harsh uh, on Nate and Sam uh, because Jamie can't fix what he was, what his relationship with Nate and Sam was with one little yeah. heartfelt moment. Um, it can, it's going to take a lot more, I think for Jamie uh, to, to mend fences with Sam and Nate. I think the Nate part is especially interesting because Nate is a coach now Jamie has not been around Coach Nate, and he's certainly not been around this iteration of Coach Nate, right? Uh, the Coach Nate that's really harsh uh, and really direct uh, and very much, I think, in, in some ways, borrowing some attitude from Jamie Tart a little bit and pushing people around who he sees as uh, lesser than he. So 
that'll be very interesting to me. Uh, when you talk about push pull, um, that's definitely something, the push pull with Nate and Jamie that I think there's a lot of fruit that can come from that tree. Yeah. Uh, there, that, that one's got a lot left on it. Uh, and I think we can, we can really make a lot of ground up there or show a lot of the Jamie Tart integration, uh, vis a vis his interactions with the coach Nate. Uh, she was definitely on a different foot now, uh, or the boot, I guess, in this case. Um, the Sam part too, I think will be very interesting to see the Sam and Jamie part. Cause I do agree with you that when, when Ted says to Jamie in the pub, like, you burned a lot of bridges over there. It's like, did he though? Like what bridges were burned? I guess the, the, the real big moment, uh, where I feel like the, the team is still out on Jamie is when they show him on TV, uh, in the film room and he's in this Man City, uh, shirt and he's basically saying, like, I carried that team. Right. Sure. I'm doing so much better now. Like that's something that even though he had burned the shoes and, and had his vulnerable moment, that's sort of the last image of Jamie Tart from season fair. one. Yeah. So. I do think there's a little Which bit for some of the team. We could probably infer like that's coping mechanism stuff, you know, like, and, sure. and like, I think that like he has exhibited enough growth that he can continue past that point, And it's like a bit of regression. And he's also, uh, for his sins, not the brightest bulb in the bunch. Uh, and I think like is, uh, you know, like just putting immediately back to like Ted ditched me, you know, like yeah. I think like, you know, like, uh, not, not seeing the nuance of the situation and all is certainly a possibility there. But I think that, uh, I think like i don't know i think that the jamie that we see in the pub this week specifically uh and sitting down next to ted and being as open as he is there um i think that this is a guy who maybe maybe understands a little bit more like especially after his agent has has effectively dropped him you're like a son to me but now you're like a dead son so now i love you more (laughs) oh my god (laughs) so dark such a dark line very funny um hilarious uh that like you know like after that like i think like a little bit of like the bulletproof vest of i'm jamie todd you know like is gone uh and i really feel that in that scene and i feel like it's not going to be like a it it's it's not going to necessarily be like a flip the switch type thing where like he comes back and Sam gets over it in the space of an episode or Nate isn't mad about it you know but I think in time like I think it will have an ultimately positive ending I'd be surprised if it didn't which is a good uh, reason why perhaps it's not going to have a happy ending because this show can often be quite surprising I think we'll be I mean I, I we had talked preseason. Uh, and certainly the, the thought that I, you know, that anybody watching last season had was, how are we going to get Jamie back on this show? Are we going to get Jamie back on the show? And of course, when we start the season with him in the way that we have him at the end of that first episode, I feel like you texted me like it's such an interesting way to have uh, Jamie back on the show in the Love Island parody. Uh, and now, of course, by the end of episode two, he's fully back in the squad. So it is. I I don't think that it's going to end poorly, but I do think it's going to go poorly, at least for a little while. The question I am asking myself and feeling like I don't have a good handle on with regard to this show, which makes me perfect to podcast about it, by the way. It's great to talk about stuff you feel like you don't know what you're talking oh, about. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how fast that's going to be. Like, how much push-pull are we going to have? Is the same stuff conflict for one episode? Uh, is it conflict for several episodes? Is something going to happen that leads to more con? I mean, we've got a 12 episode season. So I don't know how long the Jamie integration uh, is going to take, but I think that it's going to work out. I do. Uh, and I do think still that the arc for uh, AFC Richmond is going to be positive over the course of this season. But I think we've got some work to get there. And I do think that that's the story of this season. 
uh, is how do we drag ourselves out of not just the championship, but out of a winless uh, start to the season with eight draws? Like, what do we have to do uh, to get some of this off of our back? Like, what are we carrying around that's weighing us down? And I think for individual characters like Jamie, um, they've really started to come to Jesus a little bit on that front uh, and really start to understand, like, for me to make progress, I have to go back. I have to dig further back to where I was. I have to go back to Richmond. I have to eat some humble pie. The interesting thing to me to track will be uh, not just Jamie's integration to the team, uh, but Ted. Ted, uh, Ted's ability to go back, Ted's ability to figure out what's dragging them down, Ted's ability to maybe feel like maybe some of his mentality is part of that. I think that's the larger story that this season is telling and the one that will be, uh, you know, addressed over the course of the, the bulk of the season. These individual elements of it, like Jamie's integration to the team, they could be one or two episodes, but I do think there's a lot there to play with. The Sam stuff too, really good. Obviously, Ted tells Sam in this episode, I value your leader on this team. I want you to use your voice. Well, he has asked Sam to use his voice. He has put Sam in a precarious position where he's directly gone against something that Sam emotionally expressed to him Sam did yeah. not want. Yeah. How Sam going to use his voice now? What impact is that going to have on the team? I think those are definitely questions we're going to see answered in the weeks to come. Yeah, I you know, I needed to like sit with this for a minute because my first instinct as Antonio knows after watching this episode was like, wow, Ted's being a jerk. Like Ted is Ted is a dick here. Like I do not like that he has this conversation with Sam and Sam is very clear about how he feels and Ted is very clear about like I didn't even bring it up because it wasn't a thing to bring up. And then he goes ahead and after that conversation, this conversation where Sam is open about how like being around Jamie made me feel horrible and no one has ever made me feel worse about myself. And Ted's reaction to that, having already had the conversation with Jamie, is then to go to the Diamond Dogs, uh, posit like, should we bring Jamie back on? He gets outvoted, even with the Higgins vote. The best now is that the Diamond Dogs are going to have a tie, and Ted is going to say, well, Daddy knows best. Uh, and that's effectively what what goes down. Uh, and he brings Jamie back on anyway, despite this moment from Sam. And so my first instinct on that is just like being really not thrilled about that. Um, chewing on it a little bit more, like I still, I still just like want to have like the conversation and talk it through. Certainly, that is what we do here on a podcast. Um, but I, I feel like for for Ted to make this move, this is one of those things where like I'm, I'm mapping it onto early on in the episode, not the very beginning of the episode, but the start of the Ted storyline. Um, this week, and that is like. Uh, finding out that Sharon is staying on, that it's not just she was here to like help Danny through it. Um, Higgins has brought her on for the rest of the season without having talked to Ted. And Ted like gives him the business for it. And it's very funny where he's like, no, you're not supposed to ask me for permission. Like, don't stand up for yourself. You know, like the ba- the whole back and forth. Um, where, like, you know your job. You know what's, what's best. And I think like this is maybe Ted, like there's like a, an argument that this is Ted, like this is the right thing for the team. Jamie should be on here. Jamie is somebody who is who is improving. Jamie is somebody who could use my uh you know my particular skill set in order to grow both as a player and as a human. And maybe this push and pull conflict is going to be good for people like Sam. And Sam knows to speak his voice. But I wonder like how the intentions are going to live up to the reality of the situation, and also if those intentions are enough to overcome uh, whatever else may come from this uh, from this combination that we now have on the field. On the pitch, this, rather. 
this is related, but kind of in a different direction. Would you like next episode to begin in the same spot this one ended and see the immediate impact of Jamie walking onto that pitch? Or would you like to see a little bit of time have passed? Maybe if it's just like a week later or something like that. I mean, I feel like they have to start the next episode right where they ended this one. I think that um, they can definitely do it either way. I mean, we definitely have a, a bunch of examples of like a very precarious thing happening at the end of an episode. And then the very next episode begins like a couple of days later or, you know, a day later. Um, I don't think it needs to be like right there in the middle of practice. I think it could start, you know, it could start a couple days later is definitely a possibility. And they can do some like sports casting narration that catches us up to like what the last, you know, like 72 hours or whatever has been like. Um I think that also an uh, an idea would be to begin, you know, pretty close to after uh, Jamie takes uh, take puts the uniform back on and walks out there. Like we could go to the locker room, you know, after practice. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, I think it, it could work for me in in either direction. The exact when doesn't matter too much to me as long as it's like relatively close to this. You know, I don't want to miss too much of that like instant reaction. It just, Sam was so angry in the day of training when he thought Jamie might come back to the team. And now Ted has done this. I don't want to really stew on Sam's reaction to it. I would like to see it. I would like to see it uh, really be kind of heated or I just, I want to see the emotion of that uh, because I, I feel like the show needs to live with the reality of Ted's decisions in a more direct way. Yeah. A lot of what has gone on uh, over the course of these two seasons already is we see Ted's positivity and we see a lot of positive impacts for that and a lot of immediate direct impacts. Sam is a good example, right? Sam's birthday uh, and Sam getting out there, using Sam the way Ted did positionally throughout the course of the first season, trusting him more, seeing positive goals happen. Like these are things that we saw and we saw like is a direct result. Of Sam, of Ted's coaching moves, but right. Ted also didn't bother to care about relegation, which is a horrible thing for so many people's livelihoods. And the show has not really lived with that uh, in a meaningful way, uh, in the way that relegation really does impact people. A good example will be, you know, just the the amount of salary that you pay your roster. Uh, is usually directly proportional to if you're in the Premier League or not. And if you aren't, uh, a lot of these teams that go up and down a lot, their players have contracts, which mean uh, that if they're not in the Premier League, they're getting paid less. Um, so maybe sometimes as much as half less. Uh, in a lot of cases, you have to just unload people on your roster who are too highly paid and don't belong in the championship uh, and because you're not getting the money in your coffers to pay these people. So we haven't really sat with the realities of that. Same thing for the realities of it on the town uh, or the, the supporters. We just haven't lived with the realities of Ted's failure to even understand what relegation was and why it was so important not to be relegated. Um, we also have not lived with the failure uh, of Ted's system with regard to decisions like this. So I think it is important that the show do that. And I think the show is interested in doing that. To me, the most interesting thing about this episode is how we're sort of to start starting to really get into uh, painting those uh, dimensions of Ted Lasso and Ted Lasso's worldview. Uh, the doctor is a perfect foil for this because she is not approaching it from a place of antagonism. Um, she is approaching it from a place of like, 
I respect what you're doing. It seems to be working. People are happy. Respect. This is a good place to be. That is a compliment to Ted Lasso and Ted Lasso's yes, management style. 100%. Unquestionably. But just having that does not mean that you have all that all these people that you care about want. Um, Ted, if you're to be the father of this scenario or the whatever metaphor you would like to use, I think father is a really important one that I want to get into. Yep. Um, then what are you doing for your, you know, for your charges, for the people that you're trying to teach and help shape and evolve? Like, what are you, what are you really doing for them? Because positivity is not enough sometimes. Like, it's super important to be positive, but negative things are still going to happen. And how you respond to that and how you choose to adjust your worldview uh, and keep it, you know, centered, but also find ways to grow. That's, that's growth. That's how we make progress. I think that's going to be the story of this season. And I think every single character can really bear that out, but it will be fascinating to see how this Jamie Tart part injects and puts really that on blast, put Ted's choices on blast. And you walked us right into it. Uh, it, I feel like the characters are already sort of tiptoeing around Ted. You said that Higgins did not ask Ted first about hiring Dr. Fieldstone for the full season. You're right, he did not. But one of the things he seemed to have done is at least asked other people because Keeley knew. Uh, Keeley knew. So Higgins didn't just do this in a vacuum where only Higgins knew. At least Rebecca knew and told Keeley or Higgins directly told Keeley. So a lot of people other than Ted knew and Ted did not know. I don't think that was an accident. I really don't think that was because Higgins was just inconsiderate. Uh, I think this is a calculated thing like this is something the team needs. We like Ted, but Ted's not going to say yes to this. So we're just going to go ahead and do it because it's what's best for Ted. There's a lot of characters in this episode making decisions they think are what's best for someone else. Uh, and their motivations in doing that, I think, are really important to talk about. Um, one thing that just occurs to me as far as like what we could get into for episode three is we learn in this episode that there's going to be a, a photo shoot or a profile on Sam, right? Yes, uh, with Dubai Air. Yeah, so uh, great opportunity for some story uh, around Sam. And I, I think like very important to me is that we have a stronger Sam story this season. Uh, like he's just yep. a, he's a wonderful character and he should be in the spotlight more. And I'm I'm very happy with the fact that like he was so centrally located to the tension of Jamie coming back this week. Um, so I, I hope that that continues. I hope that Sam continues to be an important player. And I, I think as far as like anything predictive goes, um, Sam coming, uh, Sam, like th this moment for Sam coming up next week, I think feels, feels pretty, uh, pretty likely to me. Yes. Like otherwise I just sort of, they're just like airdropping that line for, for no real reason. That, two lines. So that was something that definitely stuck out to me on a rewatch as well. Like earlier in the episode, Keely mentions the Dubai air thing. Yep. Later in the episode, she's like, they specifically want Sam. And like I said, that's maybe like one or two scenes after uh, Ted and Sam have their head to head. Uh, and Ted tells Sam to speak his mind. Uh, and it's right before. Yep. Uh, literally right before we see the reintegration of Jamie Tart. So, um, this is Sam really, I think you could see a situation where, uh, in the sponsorship opportunity, um, Sam's going to speak his mind and it's going to be something that complicates the situation. I don't know exactly what it'll be. Sure. Agreed. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I want to see athletes of color in the Premier League speaking their mind about anything. Unfortunately, in the UK, especially in the tabloids, um, causes a lot of negative energy. Uh, it's terrible. You, we, it, we, I think we're hardwired from an American perspective to see ourselves as the center of this fucked up world. Yeah. 
but those issues are so fucked up over there that it would surprise me if the show didn't find a way to get into them. Uh, I don't know if it'll be through this lens, but any if Sam sticks his neck out in any way, uh, they're going to come for him and it's going to be gross. And I don't want to see the show get too down into that mud. Um, but I think it's important for the show to have a perspective on that. Um, this is not, you know, Schitt's Creek is a great show, but Schitt's Creek exists in this universe where uh, things can happen and not be subject to the lens of modern society in the way they would be in the real world. And I think Ted Lasso has a lot of Schitt's Creek vibes. Um, and I think people have said that, but I do think this is a show which will find a way to address some of these real world things a, a little more directly. And I think Sam is a great way to do that. So I think you're you're very right to put a pin in that for sure. Um, let's talk a little bit more about. Uh, I think Sharon says to to Ted, "Heavy is the head that wears the visor." Yes, uh, <laughs> great line. Couple of Shakespeare references in this episode. Yeah. So is this is this comedy or tragedy? This uh, this Ted Lasso, uh, perhaps like the best of Shakespeare's works, a bit of both, uh, Antonio. Indeed. Um, uh, I'm I'm curious because I think like I believe the, in the business we call show they call that mask work. Is that right? Yeah, uh, masks <laughs> are where it's at. Yeah, uh, I'll find a way to tweet my favorite GIF ever. Go ahead. Uh, oh man, um, I I'm I'm fascinated with Ted this week and some of the choices that he's making, um, and specifically how once again we are bringing up his dad, uh, and how like no my my old man was a lot harder on himself than he ever was on me. We know that Ted's dad died when Ted was very young, sixteen. If I'm sixteen, if yep. I'm remembering right, yep. Um, and he says like you know when he's talking to the Diamond Dogs about why to bring Jamie back on, he's talking specifically about how like my conversation with Sam reminded me that like not everybody has a great father. Uh, yep. Like uh, and like he clearly knows that Jamie has like severe uh issues with his dad having witnessed them firsthand if it hadn't been enough uh, already to to hear some of these terrible stories um but like seeing what he saw at the end of the season certainly hammers it home so you mentioned before like the like the word father like being like a very appropriate one to use as it pertains to Ted Lasso specifically and um as a character but specifically the season I think um I think it's not going to take terribly long. Uh, Doc, who we may now call her that, apparently. Thank God. Oh, oh my God. It was right there. Such a good nickname. Um, yeah. But she, you know, opens that door up of like, uh, you know, she, much like he imagines and is not imagining, but is absolutely happening earlier in the episode, is moving closer to Ted. Uh, you know, she's <laughs> she's going, you know, one row in front of the other. Every time you turn around, she, there she is. So funny. Very, I laughed so hard at that. It's perfect. Because, like, he's absolutely correct. Like, she's definitely yeah, she's moving forward. Mo- she moves three times. Yes. Or she moves twice. She's at least in three twice different spots. that I remember, yeah. yeah. Um, but this, this door is open from her now. Like, now that she's, like, having a conversation with Ted where, like, she's, like, you know... Um, she's engaging him a little bit more directly in like ways that like he wants to hear, but also still like holding her ground, I think in a really great way. I feel like that conversation between Sharon and Ted, um, that sit down feels imminent. And I am for one, very curious to see what does the show believe is beneath the visor for Ted Lasso? Well, it's not lost on me that the first season's perhaps best episode, certainly the highest ranked by IMDb score, not that that's a judge of anything, but it seems to be like a popular view that this is the best episode is Make Rebecca Great Again. 
And that's by far the darkest Ted Lasso episode. That's Ted's panic attack. That's Ted's uh, long night of the soul uh, when he doesn't want to sign the divorce papers and he yells at Nate uh, in the hotel room. That's Ted really leaning into the substance use uh, in a negative way, I'd say, uh, that same night. And I feel like we have shades of some of that. Ted is eating at the pub alone. And I I felt like he was drunk in that scene. He did not have uh, Ted Lasso energy, TLE. As somebody um, who, you know, isn't drinking anymore, uh, yeah. it, it definitely is something that I've noticed about Ted. He drinks a good amount. Oh, yeah. He hits it. I mean, he's drank. He's had he's had cocktail in the first episode uh, in Rebecca's office. Just a little work drinking. No big deal. And, and like, everyone's doing it. It's not it's not, it's not like a value judgment. Like it's it. you know, it's some people can handle it for sure that they can have like a beer every night. They could have two beers every night. And that's great. But like, I do feel like I don't know if it's because it's just like it's always now going to be notable for me, like drinking scenes. Like I'm never not going to look at them uh, and like, you know, I like clock them in a certain way. But like. Ted puts it away. And is he putting it away healthily? Like, he, there is sort of like a, like, he's definitely, like, he's definitely buzzed in that scene with Jamie. Like, you can see it. Like, there is, like, the fog, right? Yes. His his eyelids are a little heavy. Yep. His movements are slow. The TLE is not there. Yep. 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 Uh, so, I I found that very notable. Uh, well, and not for nothing, but this is a Ted Lasso. You mentioned his dad passing away when he's 16. We know that because Ted's great speech in the pub to Rupert about why Ted is good at darts. Yes. And also Ted's worldview a little bit about be curious, not judgmental. Uh, but one of the things he says is that he's good at darts because every Sunday from the age of 10 till the age of 16, when his father passed away, he spent all day in the bar with his dad. So what does that say about his dad bringing a 10 year old to the bar all day long, every single Sunday? Now, maybe that's just football season. Uh, but it sounds like it's not. And so I feel like you, you put all these things together, this cosmic gumbo of Ted Lasso's, uh, father, especially. Um, I think we have a scenario where maybe Ted Lasso's dad story and maybe what's at the heart of that and maybe why Ted is so sensitive to these dad issues. Um, whether it's Sam talking about his dad pinching his ear or giving Ted the compliment of his dad saying is in safe hands or seeing what happens with Jamie's dad, all of these things and the way Ted treats people, Ted's positive attitude, which we know was born out of, I think we thought it was born out of losing his dad at 16 and trying to find the worldview that would help him make sense of that. But maybe it's the positive attitude that it wasn't just that he lost his dad at 16. It's that there was a lot of negative energy surrounding his father. Yeah. Maybe his father was an alcoholic. Maybe we don't know how his father died. It could be anything related to that. Uh, it could have been self-inflicted. Like there are a lot of possibilities there that this show could get into because we have gone dark with Ted before. And it was the high point of the series for a lot of people episode wise. So. I really do think the doctor gives us the opportunity to see that. And I think a lot of Ted's decisions have to be read through the lens of somebody who is carrying something like that around, uh, not wanting to give up on anything. That to me gives me a lot of negative energy surrounding like maybe his dad did take his own life. Right. Like maybe Ted's desire to never quote give up. Uh, on anything comes from that. Maybe it's not that direct. Maybe his dad just was an alcoholic or maybe his dad was, was good because it's interesting in that pub scene when Jamie says, you are lucky. 
like to have a dad that supported you. Ted just sort of doesn't really say anything. He gives kind a of look. nods at him. Yeah, it gives a look. He like kind of like his his eyebrows go up. Like he has it's very very subtle work that could be you know read a bunch of different ways as far as an acting choice of just like you know like Ted acknowledging yeah I am or uh, Ted like being like well you don't really know the whole story you know and it's like one of those things that's like such an innocent thing for Jamie to say in that moment, but could be the kind of comment that sits in the craw of a guy like Ted Lasso all day and night long for, you know, the next week. Uh, like can't stop thinking about that kind of thing. Um, I, I saw it both ways. I saw it as like, you're right. My dad was the best or also like, if like, I'm not, I'm just like going to like drink my beer and not address what you just said, you know? Well, yeah. And, and the thing is it can, it can go both ways sure. and still have a psycho, uh, psychological impact on Ted. Like maybe his dad was the best. Like maybe his dad kept it together and gave Ted a positive attitude. And Ted draws a lot of positive reinforcement from the way his father was. And so as a result, because his dad's gone, Ted feels like he has so much to live up to and feels like he has to keep up that facade because that's what his dad instilled in him. And he can't let his dad down because he's still carrying that around with him for so often. I mean, look, not for nothing. Like my dad is gone. Like I know a little bit about yeah. what it's like to put yourself into this kind of situation where you feel like you either need to live up to something or make better on something or it's definitely front of mind. And it is not something that somebody has to remark something about for you to think about. It's something you carry around with you a lot. Um, we're all products of our parents. And I think we all think about those things, whether we realize that's why we're doing it or not. It motivates a lot of what we do. It would be foolish to think a show that is specifically written, right? Like they're choosing what lines are out there. That is putting this issue on the plate for us, even if it's doing it in a subtle way. And even if it's doing it over the course of what are we like 12 episodes deep now, right? We've only had three or four lines that indicate uh, these sorts of things about Ted's background. I definitely think it's there. I think we're getting to it. I think the doctor provides the right door to rattle. And I think it might not be what we expect. It could go either way. Like you said, that look at the bar, um, it's the end of the leftovers, right? It's, uh, it could be, it could be one or the other, but it doesn't really matter what the answer is because I think no matter what the answer is, we are going to have something that impacts Ted's psyche and that the doctor can really get into. And Ted getting past that, Ted getting past that, Ted understanding how it affects his decision making, it affects his ethos, it affects his worldview. I think that is a huge story that we will see addressed in season two. And I think in doing so, it will make Ted a better human, a better coach, a better adult, a better father, all of those things. This doc, I think, could be great for him. Um the show has a lot to say, I think, uh, without having said most of it yet, about the value of therapy. It was a very interesting episode from that front. Uh, Ted and Rebecca, both of whom probably very much need it. Sure. Uh, both putting it on blast and laughing at each other and then having an awkward silence after. Um, I think that we're going to see the benefits of it and the show having a positive view of it uh, over the course of this season vis-a-vis Ted, for sure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. 
a laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just while we're on the subject of it, like, that's like the gist of the Rebecca content this week. We get a little bit of like her further adventures into online dating and, uh, it's only tacky if you put filthy in front of rich, uh, which she has to delete, uh, which is probably just a joke. Um, but yeah. like you get like that scene, you get her and Ted talking about the, the merits of therapy or lack thereof. Uh, she's also going to mock the doc for the no sugar thing. Uh, and just give that her, was hilarious. <laughs> give, her, <laughs> give basket of water. Rebecca's take like, on that is so funny. But Kiwi's hilarious. Like there's tons of things that don't have sugar in them instead of a <laughs> yes. gift basket of bottled water. So funny. Um, are you disappointed by the lack of Rebecca this week? Is this just a, a function of there being so many characters on the show and so many different things that need to happen? And like, Rebecca's main story from season one being, at, if not fully resolved, then at least momentarily dealt with. Uh, what I would like to see kind of more from a Rebecca a story is her helping AFC Richmond be successful with her positive choices. At this point, keeping Ted Lasso around is the, the, the first big choice we saw her make from a I don't want to harm AFC Richmond point of view. Uh, so I would like to see Rebecca's business acumen a little more. And I think that's something that can develop over time. Uh, I do think that she had some funny moments in this episode. Uh, I don't want to just see her business acumen, by the way. I think her relationship with Ted is whether or not we do a will they or won't they or whether or not we we just keep them as friends, the kind of friends, by the way, uh, that they say, you know, that what what else are friends for? But, you know, for burdening your issues and anxieties. Uh, I, I think that there's a great there's a great Rebecca and Ted story to tell, even if it's not a Rebecca and Ted ship story. Uh, I, I am looking forward to that. I want to see more of her business acumen. I am feeling like I would like to see the, the Rebecca and Keeley relationship, which was so uh, centered to season one, uh, the development of that. I'd like to see more kind of uh, less girl talky, more just them being there for each other in, in meaningful ways uh, kind of stuff. I, you know, not spoiling it, but the thumbnail for the next episode is Rebecca centric. So I feel like we're going to get a little bit more Rebecca next episode. I just thought her, her, the moments that she had in this episode were great. I love that the psychoanalysis, her dime store psycho and analysis of herself made me laugh a lot. Big whoop. That was a great line read. Yeah. Uh, and I really like the, the water bottle joke. And, you know, not for nothing, I want to give a shout out uh, to Jay Wilpon for being all over me about this, her smirk at the end of the episode. Um, when Keely, uh, the, the, the sequence when Jamie Tart returns to yes. the team, uh, great job, sort of a montage uh, of just a series of reactions. Uh, we see Jamie walking out of the pitch, breathing very heavily, clearly nervous. Uh, Beard looks like he smelled something terrible, perhaps something from a punch bowl. Uh, Nate is obviously taken aback. That's and the a pineapple, bit, right? It's the pineapple. No. Uh, it's a little bit Maybe confused. Maybe some of the lavender. Ted is stoic. Sam is so crestfallen looking right at Ted. Uh, all the other players are varying degrees of not happy about it. But then we go up to the, you know, to the owner's box and we see Keely just looking steely eyed at the situation and Rebecca looking at Keely, looking at the situation and, and smirking about it. 
uh, and then kind of lifting her head up and smiling. So Rebecca continuing the, the fantastic, uh, face acting, uh, that they let Hannah Waddingham, uh, do on this show, uh, and that she's so good at. Uh, I think her reaction is the last thing we see in the episode. What did you make of that smirk of yeah, Rebecca's was, big smirk? Cause there? like it's definitely spicy. Uh, and I think it could be like, you know, Rebecca now, you know, she's now rooting for the success of the team and like the remaking of the team, right? And, you know, she may be somebody who in this moment, uh, knows that like the two aces, that is something that we want. Uh, we need, we need to get some wins on the board. And Jamie Tart could be certainly a path towards that. He is, after all, Jamie freaking Tart. Um, so I think that there could be, there could be a bit of that of just like sort of like the excitement of that, but also like, um, people making, you know, making choices, like making big choices. And I think she could know from herself that if she was able to like turn her, uh, her whole attitude around regarding Ted and regard, regarding her feelings towards AFC Richmond and wanting this to be not something that she burns to the ground, but something that she like positively remakes at least and has like a hand in that, um, that maybe she sees in this situation something similar that like, uh, having Jamie back here will ultimately be net positive. I didn't read it as anything like, massively sinister i think those days feel done for me so i didn't read the smirk as like ah this is another chance to to get one over on rupert you know i don't think it's anything like that right i don't think so either and i i do think those days are done and what i want to know from the rebecca standpoint is what days are we in then if those days are done is it exactly what you just said and i think that's a really good observation and the rebecca and higgins uh they, they, if he's, if, if Higgins cleared the dock with Rebecca and that's how Keeley knows, or Higgins was talking to Rebecca about that, you, you chalk that one up, right? And then did Rebecca know that Jamie Tart was coming back? If it was a two to two diamond dogs tie, or if it was, one, you know, one vote for and two against, it was Rebecca the tiebreaker. Yeah. Did Ted ask Rebecca? I would guess uh, so. And is she happy about that? You know, I, that those are the things that I I think are, are could be possible. This couldn't have been there. done without her involvement, right? You wouldn't think. Yeah, uh, certainly not without Higgins' involvement, and probably not without Rebecca's involvement. I mean, this is a guy who probably would need to sign a contract yeah. and have a medical exam and all of those things done. Um, Rebecca and Higgins surely would have been involved in this. Would have been but- like a, a little bit of a tight. Uh, I don't know about a tight negotiation necessarily, considering that his sports agent thought that he was now his dead son. Um, <laughs> but Jamie, Jamie Tart is Jamie Tart. And like, you know, what is like the, what is the deal to come back? Right. Like, how much is it like he's just like come, he's come back tail between his, le- his legs. And so they're able to just like really get him on a deal. Like, I feel like the, like the contract work on this would not be nothing. I don't think it would be, there would be, there would be a, a thing that happened, right? And it, I think we saw the agent. So maybe Jamie is telling his agent, I want to do this no matter what. Uh, I, we don't know what specifically was proposed. Uh, it, as you can imagine, uh, the Wonderkind or Starlet, uh, like having a fallen uh, scenario is pretty common in football as it is in all sport. Uh, but there are a lot of, Similar stories we could probably point to of someone with all the talent of Jamie Tart, uh, but who really has to eat some humble pie uh, and play at a lower level or play at a, a situation that does not necessarily merit um, their talents because of their attitude. Uh, Mario Balotelli is a big one that comes to mind. Uh, there are a lot more issues uh, to talk about with regard to that athlete for sure, um, but he's always somebody who seemingly has 
buckets of talent, but the attitude uh, puts a lot of teams off. So um, you could say that is probably the case with Jamie Tart. He doesn't have anywhere else to go. Uh, Mario Balotelli himself has played at a lower level like this, so it, it wouldn't shock me uh, in in the real world to see stuff like this happening. So it's not surprising on the show. Uh, I don't think Richmond would need a ton of money to break the bank here. That said, I would imagine he's still under contract with Man City. Exactly. Uh, Man City might drive a pretty hard bargain. I, I don't know the the realities of, and I don't think the show's going to get into it. If I'm no, being because they have him on the field at the end. Sorry, the pitch. Yep. I got to keep saying the pitch. Yep. Uh, they have him out there by the end, right? Like they've gone through that, so they decided to yada yada past that. You uh, can say the field. You can also say soccer. That's the thing. I I, I just the, I'm nervous. I just want to go in a rant for a minute. I'm so scared. Here. Uh, the, the, even just the use of the word soccer. It's like, well, look at the, the title of the show that Roy is on. This is a real show and it's on Sky and they have soccer right in the term, uh, Sky Soccer Saturday or Gillette Soccer Saturday. Like this is a thing. They use the word soccer. My understanding is that word was f- a, a British English, a that, that it was in that that use well before Americans used it. So I, I I hear, I listen to plenty of uh, commentary from the UK on football and they say field as much as they say pitch. So you can say whatever you want. I'm just nervous. You know, I'm just going to get everything wrong and you know, everyone's going to stop liking me. I am too. But you know what? If, if your heart is pure, Mm -hmm. then it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We, we are supporters. We are, we don't, and we will, will not pretend we know everything about something someone else's thing. You know it's what I love thing. about you, Antonio, is you know your way around a segue, and I'm not talking about the vehicle because you don't. <laughs> uh, uh, how do you know I'm like a not like a Wozniak? Uh, I'm not we're a really not, adopted. I don't want to tell the the Antonio segue story on the podcast. We'll save that for <laughs> offline. Uh, that's for the yeah. ten dollar patrons. They can ask about that in the Discord. Um, but you know your way around a podcast segue because you bring up uh, the sky sports like let's get into roy kent sportscaster is like another major storyline from this episode um and just to dip a little bit into feedback early uh this was from sean who said i feel like this episode had almost all the season-long predictions made on the podcast happen uh and i feel like one of those things antonio if not a prediction then at least like a story we're clocking is like roy kent sportscaster is a thing that this show is interested in exploring but to me, I definitely would have felt like that's probably something we build towards rather than, no, in episode two, we're just going to go there. He's going to go on and he's going to do his <laughs> rageful Roy Kent thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, the censors are going to have a, a field day with it, but he's still going to get invited back. And not only that, he kind of loves it. He likes being back in the game, Antonio. Uh, did you did you enjoy this from Roy? Also, we, we now finally have at least seen a glimpse of Roy's retirement speech in a couple of contexts that I don't think either of us would have necessarily predicted. Uh, it was a very similar context both times. I'm not sure it's appropriate to say a couple of contexts. It's really just yeah. the sexual context. Antonio, I was wondering if anybody has listened to the podcast in which I quit podcasting about Survivor under a similar uh, context. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that. You tell me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Write in Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. Don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. <laughs> uh, I'll just, uh, I'm just minding my own business on that one. Uh, some people are turned on by vulnerability. Josh. I was, so, I, I was, I was so nervous, as I'm sure many people were, that like Keely was watching like a Jamie Tart video. Of course. Do you think that was an effective swerve? Is there yes. any world where you thought like this Keely, that Keely, the character that we know and love, could ever have even like before we see her I'm watching so the video? 
like she's just not there and we don't know where she is. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I had a little bit of fear. Uh, and then of course, yeah, the worry is that it's Jamie Tart. Uh, but though Keely is certainly motivated by vulnerability. So that's why it's, that's why you can buy it. Like Jamie Tart's vulnerability directly had that effect on Keely in the Diamond Dogs episode 108. So it wouldn't, it's not surprising to think that it could have here, but Keely and Roy are on good terms. I know last week I, I shared my fear that we could end up in a situation where, um, where they realize like they need to be, uh, supportive of each other in a friendship way, but maybe their relationship is not for the best. But I just don't have any belief that we're, we're really headed there. Uh, that's just my worry. So of course I was worried in this scene as well. Um, Roy as a pundit was great. Uh, it, it was great. I'm glad we got there quickly. I don't know if we're going to be so lucky that we get Cammy, uh, Chris Kamara on there, uh, for the whole season. Um, this guy's a legend. Like one of the first things I learned, uh, when I, uh, began my love affair, uh, with the Premier League was, was him saying like the, the, the classic meme, uh, which I don't even know how to track down of just the, his reactions to Jeff, uh, the in-studio host that he's on the panel with there. There's so many really funny viral moments of Chris just being completely lost at the ground, uh, and having to report back on something that he doesn't even remember seeing or he's not sure about. Uh, so funny, just a legendary character, uh, and not surprising at all that if we're going to do a show like this that we found a way to work him into the mix i love seeing that uh so real show uh real pundits of course that was the coach of afc richmond in the first season there yeah, as the third say, pundit on the panel yep yeah uh did he bring hall and oats with him oh gosh i hope not i'm sure they were we don't thankfully we didn't see under the desk yeah. in that regard but uh i really enjoyed it uh i really like everybody else on twitter at the time apparently really enjoyed seeing roy in his return to punditry a very much an eastbound and down final season feel uh where kenny powers gets into punditry himself uh and by virtue of just being a firebomb uh thrown into that kind of panel uh really uh the, the public responds in a positive way so not surprising at all that roy was very favorably received that he enjoyed it uh i i still want to know though like what is going on with roy not wanting to talk to ted at all like is he just doesn't really like ted that much like he and he and keely are in this uh in the car in the morning there and he's talking about what he's going to do uh coaching the the, the game and then uh making the, the 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 butterfly chicken like nigella suggests oh my god that cracked me up <laughs> i don't know what turns me on more <laughs> yeah you very sing funny. the word moist or you bringing up nigella oh but my then god. He, he says i've got no plans is what he tells keely he directly tells her that and then as soon as ted tries to see roy he speeds away and keely's like oh no with no effort at all keely's like oh he's in a big rush he's busy you know and he just told Keely that he is in no way busy and she's effortlessly lying yes, for him yeah. to Ted about this sort of thing. I don't know why Ted got on that lawnmower at all, except for I feel like he was trying to see Roy. Like, I feel like he was trying to be there when Keely and Roy pulled up. I mean, other than that, he's just he's just being like a, a goofball. Like, uh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's maybe it was Roy's theory about it being the closest thing to a Dodge Ram. Yeah. But I feel like he was there specifically to see Roy and he was unable to do that. I I just don't know if it's being played for comedy or if they're saying because everything else about Roy is screaming well adjusted. Uh, he takes feedback so well, unlike uh, unlike Ted, in a way. 
Um, he is so open to and easily receiving of uh, feedback from the women in his life and so positive about that. Um, Ted, I think, struggling with that a little bit, obviously, and has struggled with it uh, with you know his relationship with his wife and, and going forward. So it, it's just so funny to see how Roy is so well adjusted. I mean, even in the goofy like, uh, what are you doing there? Which is a great callback to Keeley saying yes, the same thing to, to Ted, Ted in the first episode of the whole in the show. First episode, uh, even in that moment when Roy's like, "I like watching videos of people having sex in the woods or whatever," and he's like, "Because I could knows, never be that free." Yes, he knows right away why his kink <laughs> is his kink. Like a lot of people take years to unpack that. Yeah, I could never Roy's be that free. Exceptionally well adjusted. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I do think it's fascinating to know that we've got this Roy Kent who all we're seeing is how open he is, how, how much he's growing, uh, the positive, uh, aspects of what's happening. And yet he still has this huge barrier that's keeping him away from AFC Richmond. Yeah. I wonder how much it is that, like, you know, Ted, like, is he, is he assigning, if, not, if blame might be the wrong word, is he is he assigning to Ted that like this was the signal of me no longer being a professional soccer player? I said it. Um, like, is it like obviously like he says to Keely like my knee was bad and at my age like that's an end like that that ends your career like it's just it's right. it's done. Um, but Ted is the one who uh, you know ultimately makes the call somewhat in you know conjunction with Roy. For him to begin the process of stepping down and then obviously he retires in between seasons um does he just like is there just too much pain there where it's not even that it's ted's fault but he's gonna have to like confront things about like his recent past and the way in which his life has changed that he's not necessarily psyched to confront with that specific person um like i think that he could be well adjusted and like insightful and like introspective in so many areas of his life and still see like somebody as like um whether like intentional or not like meaning to be harmful or not certainly that's not how it is with ted but looking at a guy like ted who is so specific and just like viewing that as like a triggerable person like is this just somebody who i'm not ready to like have that conversation with yet it could be right like it could be that ted's optimism and positivity are just not going to hit Roy in the right and, way. And these could be the kinds of things that we need to unpack uh, with a character like Ted Lasso, who uh, very clearly, like, part of the tension has been, like, but my job is to fix everything. Like, I'm the guy who, like, I don't quit on anybody. I fix everything. Like, this is my superpower. Um, and, like, things are happening uh, underneath his his visor that he's not aware of, whether it's, you know, Higgins um, bringing Sharon on for the full season or, or things like that. Like, is this going to be, like, another... Uh, and, and, like, Keely knowing about that before he does, right? Like, is this another example of just, like... Um, it's not like necessarily that Ted has done anything wrong, but maybe there is something about the vibe of that extraordinarily positive person that you are like afraid to like be around, uh, and maybe not even like afraid to be around, though that certainly can be part of it, but also like, I don't really want that right now. You know what right. I mean? Like, that's totally right. valid. Like, I don't really want that right now. And like, is this going to be like another thing to unpack? with Ted as far as like why why is it that his his the Ted Lasso way is not necessarily even that it isn't always working, but maybe is not always necessarily desired. Right. The power of positivity, right? Like maybe 
they're, they're, it's a great tool, but there's a reason that a toolbox has more than one tool in it, right? Not everything is a hammer. Not everything, not every solution needs a hammer. Some things need a little more subtle touch or a different adjustment. And Ted's a positive hammer, but he's a hammer with that positivity. And Roy, I think, needs a little more subtle adjustments right now. I also do like just seeing them as similar characters in that regard. Ted also needs adjustments. And I like keeping them apart for that reason, because they're both adrift a little bit. Ted's adrift in a sea of O, O, and 8, or O, 8, and O, depending on how you want to read it, depending on where the the, the results are being listed, what app or what paper or what have you. Uh, but they've, they've got a lot of, uh, they've got a lot of draws and no wins, but no losses. You can look at it positively, but no wins. You can look at it that way as well. Uh, and so Ted definitely is adrift in that regard. He's doing things that maybe he thinks are what's best for the team, but that are going to cause problems for the team or that already are. We said in the first episode, it isn't just Danny and Danny's issue with the yips. That needs treatment from Dr. Fieldstone. Uh, it's, it's Zero. It's, uh, it's Colin. Uh, it's other members of Ted's squad, uh, who feel some type of way about what's happening. And I think it, it's, it's not lost to me that the line that really lands from the doctor about the situation being a ain't broke, don't fix it is that depends on if you think everyone here is comfortable right. with not winning and uh and eight draws. Not are you comfortable with it because clearly Ted is. Uh, and he, Sam seems to believe in the project. Uh but it it definitely does not seem to be the case for the whole squad. And I think Ted hears that from the doctor and so Ted is in in need of adjustment as well. So I like having both Ted and Roy out there in the world needing to adjust, needing to th- to see some things change. In their own lives and not being together while that happens. I, I like keeping them apart in that way. Um, Roy is allowing himself to be vulnerable uh, to Keeley uh, to do things that he's not sure about. Uh, Ted seemingly is being dragged into that uh, and maybe not really opening that door enough, specifically with regard to therapy. And I think Ted's coming to that uh, in the way that Roy has uh, will lead to some growth for Ted, but clearly Roy still has some work to do too, because he still has, he wants no part of this. He's not able to adjust in that way. So I do think that's fascinating to see how those two characters are being, um, seen very similarly uh, in different scenes. Uh, like I said, I, it's not at all lost on me that Roy is immediately open to feedback, uh, from like his own little Irish Dr. Fieldstone, uh, at the soccer pitch with the girls with Miss Bowen. Um, and that's two episodes in a row where she calls him out immediately and he immediately adjusts and he immediately knows she's right. He does the same thing with Keely. Like I, this Roy Kent is much more adjusted to feedback in a way that Ted Lasso is in his own head about. Uh, so I think it's fascinating and I love seeing those two apart. Uh, and seeing what they're going through. And again, though, it feels like we could see Roy Kent back uh, in and around AFC Richmond next episode. It doesn't feel like this is something the show would be necessarily feeling vital about keeping apart for the whole season. Um, speaking of feedback, shall we get into some feedback that we got from the listeners of our Ted Lasso podcast, Antonio? Sure. Let's do that and, and hit again where people can send that feedback. Yeah, of course. Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. That's our direct channel. You can send us an email there, Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com. You can also talk to us in the Ted Lasso channel of the Post Show Recaps Patron Discord, patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. That's patreon.com slash postshowrecaps. You can hit us up on Twitter at AC Mazzaro with how many R's. 
Two Z's, one R. That round Howard is myself. Uh, so those are all the different ways uh, that you can get stuff in. From Todd the Librarian, Todd just uh, loved this line from the episode, you know you're like a son to me, and now you're like a dead son, which means I love you even more. Uh, Todd said that that just killed him. It's so much darker than anything that happened with <laughs> Earl Greyhound. I'm sorry to say. It was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, Jared says, I was feeling pretty meh on the Ted and Therapist plot line still, but I also really like the way it tied into Ted bringing Jamie back to the team at the end. Uh, also, Roy effing Kent, which is echoed by Fitzy, whose uh, entire piece of feedback this week was Roy effing Kent. That's it. That's the post. He's a legend. Uh, from Grace, who last week had mentioned she wasn't necessarily um, feeling the vibe of the of the of the season premiere, specifically the death of the Greyhound. Um, this was from Grace. Grace writes in: I thought this was a real return to form for the show. There was tension, heart, and a lot of really great writing. Not that last week's episode was bad, but they had a lot of setup to do for the season and i thought this episode felt really lived in um do you feel that antonio that this episode felt like more lived in than um than last week's first of all i think grace is brilliant and i want to say that publicly uh because i always enjoy uh grace's feedback but also grace on podcasts yes i think that's a really good observation about lived in in terms of like where the issues between these characters the the subtle issues the underlying issues that don't get exposed until the stuff is lived in really start to emerge. This isn't sort of, we're coming back for the season. We're meeting these characters again. The lived in aspect, I really think plays into some of these latent or subtle underlying psychological issues or patterns between characters really taking foot, uh, or taking hold, I should say. And I think that's where, I, I think that's where it really does feel lived in. And I definitely agree with that. Um, that, that said, it, in feeling lived in like that and in really putting some of those lived in type issues, the issues that emerge as you live in a thing uh, front and center. I think the vibes do feel a little bit different sometimes. Like it feels like maybe we're on the precipice of more negative energy in the show than we're, we're necessarily uh, happy about having on a week to week basis. Ted's decision, as you said, Josh comes off right away as dickish. And then, okay, even if we don't accept that it's just a pure dick move and that there's a lot more subtlety to that, perhaps having to do with the reasons why Ted Lasso is Ted Lasso to begin with and the reasons he makes all the choices he makes going all the way back to his childhood, those are uncomfortable things. Um, those are difficult things if we start to unpack them. And that isn't necessarily the vibe of Ted Lasso. That is not necessarily the vibe of Ted Lasso that we know and love. So as a show, even though this episode does feel more lived in, I can understand why f people might feel like that means that the vibes of this episode aren't necessarily um, the, the vibes that we always expect from Ted Lasso. There, there feels a lot more uh, foreboding or a lot more negative energy. We have Ted in that bar half lit. That's not positive Ted Lasso energy. So the lived in aspects of this also make it feel, I think, a little bit less like uh, what we come to expect from Ted Lasso, the show. Um, Deidre had like pushed back on this a little tiny bit. Deidre said, I don't understand why, but the show just feels different in season two. It's like they weren't expecting the success from season one and decided to make season two a little more extra. And I don't think we needed more extra. Um I'm I'm still really loving the show. I should just make clear, but like I'm I definitely like I think that you you sense this a lot when a show continues. Uh, like I think I do think that this happens that there is like something there's like there's a little bit of like an early season barrier I think to burst through before like the show feels like itself again. Uh, yes, can happen. 
Um, I'm definitely feeling that I definitely felt that a little bit last week, and I'm feeling it a tiny bit this week. I think like the the like the Love Island and like the morning show segment to like kick the episode off felt a little bit surreal to me in certain ways, but not in any way that like um you know uh you know outdoes like some of the greatness of the episode whether it's the now you're like a dead son line or as deidre points out the one that killed her was how old people are like tall yodas uh, yeah. which <laughs> like tall yodas was also really 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 good um but the, the, do you just want to give voice to that to deirdre's point like and i to your point about the cold open i mean let's th- just think about what the point of that cold open is the whole point of the cold open is Man, Jamie Tart is miserable. Like not a joke, not a not a laugher, not something where we just we we spend 30 seconds on it like maybe Roy Kent in the tub uh or maybe even a couple of minutes. It was an extended sequence of really uh Jamie Kent uh being uh beaten down uh, and being made to feel pretty miserable. And we we end with that really kind of weird emotional uh, the music, the uplifting, showing him be really good interacting with the fans and walking. Uh, it it was an odd vibe for a cold open. I fully feel that. And I think some of what Deirdre is saying uh, about the vibes um, maybe does come from what Grace is saying about it feeling like it was lived in. Yeah. And my point about how when you live in a thing, that's when the, you know, what is it they say about like uh, house guests and, and fish or something like after a couple days, no good. Um I think that we're a couple days into this relationship uh, with all the characters. And by a couple days, I mean, of course, uh, the second season and a couple episodes in. And we're really starting to uh, see somehow the negative energy of what they've been through uh, affects them. And so I do, I do think that's why the vibes change. For me, the only issue I have uh, in terms of the show uh, is a little bit of that self-referential winking. We talked about it a little bit on last episode uh, with the independent, with everybody chanting it as though Trent Krim hasn't been around the club for years and hasn't been saying that for years. I don't know why all of a sudden we've got the people doing that, but we do. Uh, and that is a function of the show, knowing that that's a thing people say. We talked about that last episode. There was one little moment like that in this episode. Honestly, it was so little. I've already forgotten what it was. Um, but I, I, but there was something like that this episode, uh, where I was just like, okay, that was a little bit like what we had uh, a couple moments like in season one, but not really too much. I, I liked it. I mean, I, I really do feel good about where we're at with this season, but I do feel like we're, I feel like the overall point of this season that we're really addressing is like, how do we, if, if Ted Lasso season one told us that we as people can get through some of the worst times that we're experiencing, and that's why it was such a hit, right? During COVID, um, with positive energy, with positive interactions, with caring about each other, with caring about, uh, with caring about others, with caring about everything that's going on in our worlds, uh, and being positive about that in the way Ted Lasso did. And that's why it was so successful. I think an important lesson, uh, to be taught in that regard is, what are your coping mechanisms when that isn't enough? Right. Or what are your coping mechanisms when, like with Ted and Roy, that's the wrong tool? And I think Ted Lasso season two is interested in looking at that. That's important. And so it's, it's vital for us to know the answer to that. Right. You know, right. People, yeah. Yeah. Tell us more, Ted. Yes. Tell us more about how to be good because we need it. Uh, but I, I think that in having that conversation, A, the vibe's going to feel a little different. And B, um, it's going to be a little more uncomfortable. And I feel like we are going to get into some more uncomfortable territory, quite frankly. Uh, But that doesn't mean we're not going to end up in a a better place. I I definitely fully think we will. But if you want to take it through the metaphor of struggling through a season in the championship, you're going to get beaten down. 
There's going to be a lot of physical impact on you. There's going to be a psychological impact that you're going to have to go through. If you're a team that's trying to make it back up from the championship uh, to the Premier League, it's going to be exceptional amounts of pressure. All of that is going to be weighing on you. Um, I think extending that metaphor to Ted Lasso season two is an important season for the show. Um, but taking it to the character level, like these characters are going to be feeling the pressure of that. But it is also like your positivity didn't work, Ted. Like you were so, so, so positive. The team got relegated. Are we going to continue to try the same things or what new tools can, can we develop? And, I think we see some of the desperation in that with the seeking of the second ace, uh, but I think we're also going to see how that opens up a lens uh, to view what makes Ted tick. And I think that's that's all of that being said, like the show making those choices does change the vibe a little bit. But I think the other thing I want to ask, though, Josh, is in the era that we're in now, where a lot of people binge a show in one season and then pick it up and start watching it week to week. How much of vibes feeling different comes from not having the full thing uh, to for consume sure. yeah. and feeling? I, th- I, I mean, especially for me, because like I watched so much of Ted Lasso just like in a shot. Um, you know, like I, I can definitely get that, that like Ted Lasso like rewards, like being able to know the full picture. And then like you get just get to just like, you know, like consider the vibe and think about what what has what has gone down and then like go back and look at different characters differently like your your first impression of roy kent versus your last impression of him will be very different uh certainly no more true than it is for like rebecca as a character um so i think that, that like i think like nate is a good example of this for me personally right now where like right now like nate's entire story seems to be just him reaming out will the poor kid who's taken his old job who's doing his best he wants everybody to be relaxed with these lavender scented towels he wants everybody to be delighted by the pineapple tinged water um he's just doing his best and he's doing things differently from nate and that's always an uncomfortable thing uh or often at least an uncomfortable thing for many people when like you're watching somebody do the thing that you did and they're doing it differently and like what's the tension between like being good with that and also like wanting to chime in and then like do you chime in like a jerk do you chime in like a person who has like something thoughtful to say so like i'm i'm a little bit in the woods with the nate story right now and i think that is a huge function of the week to week because my expectation with where this uh uh you know regards nate is that this is part of you know his longer season arc that may play really slowly, um, yep. and like or it could like next week be completely resolved. I don't know, but like it feels like one of those things where like I need to know more to to impart my judgment on like the Nate storyline. I think that is a huge function of week to week versus the binge. I'll tell you, I'm thrilled to have this as a week to week show right now. Having like a, a a weekly guaranteed Ted Lasso episode drop right now. Mamouche, uh, so good. I love. We love <laughs> Mamouche, yeah. indeed. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Oh, I um, love it. I'm so happy. Yeah, I I am too. And but I do think that it does feel differently. And I think you're correct. Like the Nate storyline is an interesting way to look at that for sure. And not for nothing. And we talked about it last episode. But Nate's the first face that we see of season two. Uh, and Rebecca was the first face in in a way that we saw like the close up of season one. Uh, so what does that mean? Does that mean, I mean, we, we hit it last week, but we continue to revisit, like, where is the Nate arc headed? Um, is it just headed that he's going to be well adjusted? As I said, now we've got Jamie back on the team and the Jamie and Nate dynamic. Now that Nate's in this role and how shitty Jamie was to Nate, 
that could be very interesting with this negative energy yeah. that Nate's there. And maybe Ted will let that happen. Maybe Ted feels like Jamie needs a little bit of tough love uh, or needs to be reminded a little bit of how people respond when you treat them that way. Uh, or maybe on, while you're on the way up, watch where you step, right? Like, all of that uh, is is there for Nate. Um, and we didn't really, we haven't really talked about it at all this season. But last season, the big story for Nate is that he really did know about football. He was really smart. He was, and Ted had brilliantly, like, and in a way that, like, Ted showed a lot of being well adjusted, said, like, hey, he knows more about football than I'll ever learn. He's forgotten more about it than I'll yes. ever learn. And he trusted him, uh, to set up some plays, uh, and he used that to, to give Nate a full coaching position. So we have not seen Nate the football savant or Nate the man manager much this season. We have only seen him doing what he's previously done. I thought it played a lot more for comedy this episode in terms of him being a bully, the, the shutting of the doors moment. The spit take was a, a an incredible spit take, a, a very, very, very good spit take, uh, from Nick Muhammad there. So this show uh, loves a spit take. The show loves a spit take. And that was a, that was a particularly good one. Yeah. Uh, I also really love not for nothing, the beard and Nate dynamic, uh, but both the perchance to dream here. The uh, perchance to dream killed me. <laughs> so funny. Like, yeah. Did you see just- perchance to dream here? Perchance to dream here. Uh, just, just. You know, just, uh, it's it's hilarious. Yeah. It just casually slipping into the to be or not to be soliloquy mid 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 sentence. Uh, beard is beard is beard contains multitude. Speaking of lived in, beard is living in the office at least for that night. Yeah, so it's great. Uh, there, there's actual living in going on. But uh, I love there. I also love the Jimmy Buffett. Uh, who's Jimmy Buffett? Really? Yeah. Like very funny. Uh, very funny. Jimmy Buffett, by the way. For for no clear reason, exceptionally popular in Cincinnati, Ohio. Really? Exceptionally popular. Mm. Oh, absolutely. My whole lifetime, his concerts here have been like massive sellouts. Like the day the tickets go on sale, uh, the parrot heads come out, the, the boats just... I, I, maybe it's because since he's concert venue is on the river, but like it is a massive, he's for some reason, he's more popular here than just about anywhere. Maybe it's the Midwestern like, oh, I, I too would like to lie and say I'm a pirate and live on a beach and just make a bunch of money <laughs> selling margarita machines yeah. and licensing a lifestyle into a restaurant and clothing brand and cruises and whatever else Jimmy right? Buffett has you managed. Okay? You right? <laughs> a little bit triggered Is by Jimmy okay? Buffett. We're going to be all a right here. Bit triggered by Jimmy Buffett. A very but, funny uh, Jimmy Buffett story that I cannot share on a podcast. Um, oh wow, that's all good. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's that's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, uh, strike against coming to visit you in Cincinnati, um, <laughs> uh, Antonio. Let's do some free kick. Uh, what yeah. else from the episode did we not hit that you want to hit? Um, what else uh, sports wise do you want to touch on before we close out here? this week we got Baz, jeremy and paul back on this episode the supporters uh in the bar who take the picture uh in the pub that take picture of richmond or take a picture of ted and jamie uh nice to see them back very funny them reacting to roy also classic use uh, i i'm interested to see if those characters ever become more than what they are um just sort of remarking on the events from a supporter perspective uh but we, we had we had yeah there there's that's seemingly what they are at this point like how we feel about certain characters is being articulated to us by uh these folks uh but i mean these are the guys who wore the mustaches last season at the end of the season in support of ted uh so i, I don't know where Do you they're, think they're at behind with- the ted lasso mustache twitter account Perhaps, yeah. uh, that, that was the part that felt a little self-referential, yes. actually. Yes. Yeah. It's like, okay, the show is aware of 
the online discourse about the show. Uh, and that's the way they're going to comment on it. Uh, Nando's Perry Perry sauce. Uh, I've not had the pleasure of eating Nando's, but I have bought the sauce at Kroger. Uh, and so that, uh, it's a very popular fast food chain. Have you had it? No, never. I understand. I feel like they had it in New York and Miami for a time. It otherwise is not, it, it's not prevalent in the United States. It's obviously a, a UK thing. So, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely a specific reference there, but, uh, you can buy the sauce at the store if anybody wants to try it. Not all of them. They have a huge line, but at the store, I think they, at the grocery, they only have a couple varieties. So you're kind of out of luck. Uh, Jamie only just now realized George Harrison died, even though he um, died 20 years that- ago. Cracked me up. Yeah, but I just found out. Yeah. Ever since I found out out that George Harrison died. Um, Hilarious. Just a little bit interesting on the front of, if you recall, uh, in Make Rebecca Great Again in season one, the beginning of the episode, Ted is video chatting with his son and he says, I told you we're going to play Everton, but did you know that that was not just as, and that was not a city, but that was a club in Liverpool. And the kid's like, oh, like the Beatles. But if you see John Paul George Ringo, tell him I said hi. And Beard's like, he still, he doesn't, you know, you, you didn't tell him that John and George are dead. And then Ted's like, they what? Yeah. And Beard says, it was Keith Richards. Uh, but Ted also does not tell his kid. Uh, there's just a little bit of a parallel there. Jamie just found out George Harrison died. Ted's son doesn't know George Harrison died because of Ted not telling him. So, uh, there's just a little bit of something there. Jamie's that, kind of like a son to Ted. Let's just hope he doesn't die so that Ted loves him more. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like there is a, like a little bit of yes. a link there, uh, with that, with that joke. So, uh, the, the hosts, I believe of that show, uh, this morning, they are the real presenters of that program. Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby, uh, fans of the circle UK might know the former host or the former presenter of that program, one Richard Maidley, uh, who showed up on the circle, not playing uh, himself, playing just a normal person as a celebrity uh, in a normal person season of the circle. So there was always some fun reveals going on there when people realized they'd been talking to Richard Maidley the whole time, this guy who was a famous television presenter. So that was the show he used to host. Philip and Holly are the hosts now. And uh, so that was itself a real program. Uh, something that was not real was the Man City director of football who was presented there. Uh, that was just an actor. Uh, that name, Vinay Ahuja, is not even the name of the director of football for Man City. So that was just a, they did not have someone associated with the club or even someone playing someone associated with the club in that role. That was just an actor uh, playing uh, a role, um, not not anyone real or anything associated like that. Um, what else, Josh? Do you have any free kicks? I definitely have a bunch more. No, I think um, I would have brought up George Harrison or I would have liked to have brought up George Harrison because that uh, watching that on the rewatch too just like really hit me again is just very, very funny. Um, but the way that that connects beyond just being a joke uh, is fascinating and the kind of insight that I that I love getting when, when talking to you on one of these pods. Um, yeah, no, we had a- I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed this week and I think that there was, there was a, a ton in here uh, and probably a lot more than we even know yet. I like the choice of the door in the agent's office closing, uh, seemingly on Jamie's career. And the next shot is the door opening with Ted barging in right. the doctor, mm-hmm. uh, kind of connecting those two things in a way, like maybe the two it's things tran- are linked. Good, good transition, if nothing Smart else. Smart transition, yep. if nothing yeah. else. Yep. yep. And speaking of the doc uh, and Ted, uh, I love Ted's read of the doctor about her not eating sugar and how really that's just about her denying her something she loves. Uh, and explaining, you know, giving herself a reason why she thinks it's right to do that, just like Ted in video games. I really, li- I feel like that might have been the moment 
where Ted broke through uh, to uh, Dr. Fieldstone uh, because she realized, okay, this guy's not just a bumpkin. Like he's actually pretty intelligent. And that was a very off-putting way that he read me like that. Uh, but he's probably not wrong from a psychoanalyst perspective. Like uh, the fact that Ted said, instead of adjusting my relationship to it, uh, I think that really resonated with the doctor. She said, sure. like, uh, this is, this is weird. Like, you know, this is it. You, it this is disarming. This is the way you get to know people. It's interesting. Like, I think she starts seeing Ted very differently in that moment. Um, Ted's favorite book. Should I, Fountainhead, do I, I don't know do how, how far you want to go in here. He says it, it'll surprise you that it's Fountainhead. Uh, <sighs> we don't need, <laughs> I don't, what, why don't we wait and see if, uh, if Ted no, has a no, good no, reason no, 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 for no, no, why. No, no. Fuck the Fountainhead. <laughs> Fuck okay. its ethos. All right. Okay. okay. Individualism <laughs> being more important than collectivism. I can understand why Ted might think that's an interesting perspective for him, but that perspective has ruined society more than probably any other perspective. And we're living in it right now. Mm -hmm. So we cannot even engage this fucking book on an academic level. Fuck the fountain. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, nothing's ruining the world more than that toxic ethos. Ted is egalitarian. Like, I don't understand why this would be his favorite book. I think it it is a joke, but it is a dangerous joke, and I'm not happy about it. I am happy about, however... How the doctor Prince of Tides is that is that walked, her nickname for Ted? <laughs> walked. I like how she walked to the door with the biscuits in hand, wordlessly. Such a power move, and Ted just without even realizing it, like in a Pavlovian kind of way, just walks to the door. Like she, he's like, oh, oh, okay, it's time to leave. I guess. Like just such a good move. I love. I I for a character that I thought was just very kind of empty and not. Not positive on the first episode. I complete 180. Absolutely love Dr. Fieldstone in this episode. Could not love this character more right now. Um, I, I loved her bike. Uh, and the comment <laughs> like, a that's not a bike. That's a transformer. Yeah. yeah it's more than great. meets the eye there for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. I didn't even pick up on the more than meets the eye that. joke until right now. Loved it. Loved it. I'm not a loved big Transformers it. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved Higgins as laughing Liam. That laugh he and Rebecca did. Very funny. I also ah, think in a, ah, ah, it's like the count. In a subtle way, I'm cleaning up my desk right now. When I pounded it about the the fountain, mm -hmm. and a lot of yeah, liquid I heard everywhere. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, I <laughs> I heard it. I, I was like, it oh, was, he made a I mess. Felt it. Yeah, I felt he it. He made a um, mess. I really, uh, I think it's in a subtle way, like it shows that Higgins really knows about what's going on in the office. Like he talked about how he doesn't want to take some junior staff member's office because she's going through a breakup. Like Higgins knows the tea. Higgins knows what's going on at AFC Richmond. I think it's easy to see him as a bumbling idiot. Love the runner of him knocking over the cup of pens. I laughed hard yeah. every single time that happened. Uh, but he is a lot more than just that, that bumbling idiot. I don't know what the method to his madness is, if it's to be disarming that he does the things that he does. But he knows about what's going on at the office. He's clearly involved uh, in what's happening with the doctor. He's going behind Ted, Ted's back about that. He wanted Jamie back. When Ted said why he wanted Jamie back, Ted said, look, I think, you know, we say never give up when it comes to sports, but shouldn't that apply to people too? And if so, don't we owe it to Jamie? And instead of engaging with that on a human level and saying, you know, you're right. We really shouldn't give up on human beings. We really should help Jamie Tart." Higgins' immediate reaction, immediate reaction is to say, two aces, very tempting. All he cares about is the W. 
So I, I think that that's fascinating. I'm loving Higgins this season, and I think it's coming out in very small ways. Yeah. I also like the moving desk. Rather than keeping him at that tiny desk, which shows where my comic mind is, there's so much more comedy to mind well, from he's, moving him around. He's moving in with Nate, and is this going to be a permanent you know, relocation, or is this going to be uh, you know, as temporary as all the other desks have been? I really would love to see the Higgins and Nate version of uh, Feng Shuiing their office like Ted and Beard in the pilot, uh, I think would be a really fun scene to get. It would be great. And I, I do hope there is some some a little bit of tension there between the two of them. And that dynamic will be funny to watch because Higgins is technically Nate's boss as the director of football, as that was as that was shown throughout. And Nate was not asked about this. And I think some of this is putting Nate in his place a little bit by Ted. So I, I think we have a lot we can we can play with there. I'm sorry, I'm still cleaning my desk up. I'm just saying if one of your senator's first name was Rand, you might have the same reaction. <laughs> so much water. It's all good. It's <laughs> so all good. much water. This is water, um, Antonio. Yeah, this, this is, is water. water. Yeah, this please. Water. Everyone read that. Maybe I need to read that. Afterwards. This is water, uh, Antonio. I, I, let's, let's give the shippers just their quick moment of do here. Rebecca and Ted in that scene. They do have the scene where they both, you know, talk. Uh, I think that I think it could be going here. I definitely do. Uh, the, but the pro the process is Rebecca and Ted. Rebecca says, you know, they basically she basically says friends are for burdening your, you know, burdening with your issues and anxieties. Like that's what friends are for, right? And then immediately Ted says, "Got anything you want to get off your chest?" And there's this awkward silence. So they're, they're either they're not friends, right? And they don't, you know, they don't want to burden each other with their issues or anxieties, or perhaps the issues and anxieties that they have are specifically ones that they don't, they don't want to unburden on each other for one reason or another. And one of the big reasons that could be is some of the issues and anxieties they may have are ones maybe they don't even realize how deep they run yet about their relationship with each other. So if I were shipping it from that perspective, which I'm not sure I totally am. Uh, this would have been an interesting way to that, that scene progress. It's like, definitely, uh, you know, uh, a footprint in the dirt, you know, like is. on the trail towards wherever we're going with these two characters. If we how many ever sets go there, of footprints. How many sets of footprints are in the sand? A there? lot of sets oh. of footprints. <laughs> it's a party. It's a party. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot Jesus of love. invited all of his friends. There's a I lot of it. love uh, to be had here in in Ted Lasso land. Um, what about uh, Ted Danson, the soldier? Uh, oh, yeah. Why we got uh, the arc that, that, that Ted describes is he went from Cheers to Curb to the Good Place. Uh, what about Becker? My grandpa was a huge Becker fan, Josh. I was, was going to say the disrespect towards Becker there. Uh, the fact that we're not even mentioning uh, three men and a baby uh, <laughs> is also pretty absurd. Or a creep show. Uh, iconically, uh, Ted Danson's uh, buried... Uh, un underwater, his head just like uh, trying desperately to 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 breathe in this terrible uh horror movie. Uh, th th that's iconic to me. There's a lot of Ted dancing that we could have gotten into here. They probably Dirt did seize on like the big ones though. Dirty Dancing is the one that I want. Dirty Dancing, to. wow. Uh, uh, Jamie roller Jamie's roller coaster of emotions went from awesome, the best, pretty good. It's all okay. shite, Ted. Little depressed, yeah, total shut dead. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I love it. I really loved Jamie this week. I'm thrilled to he have him great. back on the show in in this way, and I'm 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 hopeful that they 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 know what they're doing with the character. I think that they do. Uh, I think that the arc for Jamie has been pretty clear. It's it's like not as like imminent, like it's not as immediately satisfying as like a character like Roy Kent, because um, I think of like you know Roy Kent, like you can like 
I don't know. You can like kind of like feel the rage of like, you know, his sort of like Wolverine, old man Logan type stuff. Um, with Jamie, like you're not like he's not the most likable guy. He's very funny as a character, but he's not really likable. Um, so like the journey towards making him more likable is just by where you're starting from, by the, by the virtue of where you're starting from with that character. It's going to be longer. It's going to be harder to get through. Um, I think it, it's been satisfying. I think it'll continue to be satisfying. I, I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I think it will continue to be satisfying. I do think they know where they're going with the character. And I do think he's going to exist as more than just a foil for uh, this team. I think there's a lot of positive growth that can happen there. But I think Ted foisting it on the team and Ted's the way that he handled that and Ted's lack of consideration about that, Ted's belief that he knows best or that helping one um, even if it hurts those around him, or even if it causes stress for those around him, is important to Ted because this one has a fa- has daddy issues and needs help. As I said, I think all these things are going to be things that we unpack and we examine, and that that do matter. So I really think that 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 is a, a good way to get the ball rolling, as it were. On that, uh, just a couple other quick things. Jamie Carragher is referenced here by Roy Kent, uh, former Liverpool stalwart Jamie Carragher, uh, famous pundit now, uh, himself, not quite the attitude of a Roy Kent. Uh, Jamie is definitely somebody who gets under people's skin though, uh, and himself with a little bit of a short fuse, uh, famously, um, catching hell from a Manchester United fan spit on him on the highway, uh, and was suspended from his job a couple years ago. So this was pre COVID, but, uh, Jamie Carragher, no stranger, uh, to the mix. And it sounded like he and Roy Kent in the story of the show uh, hated each other on the pitch, which does not surprise me in any way. Um, more sex pistols with anarchy in the UK as Roy is walking up. So that was a, a needle drop that I liked. I'm not sure I understand why the, the Queen song, Tear It Up, was the end credits song uh, as far as the needle drop. you have any thoughts on that? No, I don't know the song, I don't think. Uh, I didn't know it very well either. I mean, I had heard that sort of like riff before, but... I don't. I, it's not a song that means a lot to me, and I don't know its connection. Are to you the ready? Sport, so, are you ready? We gonna tear it up, okay. tear it up, stir it up, break it up, so baby. Maybe, tear maybe it up, shake it up, tearing up Richmond. Make These it up the as you go along. Oh my gosh. Uh, you know, stake it out, and you can't go wrong. Hey, yeah, I think this is like, hey, we're doing it. Two aces. We're gonna tear it up, <laughs> stir it up, break it up, baby. Two aces. I think lyrics are important, though, because I think when we talk about the vibes of season two and the vibes of the show overall, we also have to think about this, the theme song. Like, yeah, it might be all that you get. Yeah, I guess this might well be it. But heaven knows I've tried. It's seemingly defeatist in some way, uh, this theme song. So uh, it's interesting to me that that the, the, the song is just a little bit that way well the uh, and show, that's how we start each episode the show in this episode specifically because it, it comes up with uh with sharon saying like is everybody okay with being winless and like you know when beard snapped at ted last season the show and from you know the the lyrics of the theme song is very much about the tension with being comfortable and okay and like being able to like live your life in like a good positive way even when you lose even right. when you don't win and that winning isn't everything and that tension between but yeah we want to win and like right. and that's also okay sometimes uh and so i think i think that that's i think that's interesting i think that's really interesting i think that that's very much on the mind of the show is like how can you how can you be like can can um can like peace and competition exist simultaneously uh you know i feel like is is something that's on the mind of the show well and it 
it, it felt a little self-referential at the time, but like Ted saying, be goldfish, everybody, or see you all goldfish later, right. when he's saying it to the team, and, and Colin sort of says, that means that we don't think of our problems, and we don't, you know, we just move on from them. Um, it's not necessarily the best mindset for an athlete at all times. If you're doing something consistently wrong, you can't just keep forgetting about it. You have to learn why you're doing it wrong. You have to unpack it. You have to analyze it and you have to get better. And so maybe peace like that can't exist with progress. Like there is that push pull that goes on yep. uh, in, in life and in our growth. And so the question is like, if as long as you try, can you be happy? And that I think is what the theme song gets at. Like it might be all that you get and this might well be it, but heaven knows I've tried. Like at least I have tried. Like at least I've done what I can. I might not get more. I might not have got everything I wanted, but I've, I've tried and heaven knows I've tried. I think the heaven part of that is important too. If you want to speak about a higher power or the universe or however you want to put it, like, what is what is going to be put out there is your effort, not necessarily your result. That's not guaranteed. All you can guarantee is what you put into it. And so I definitely think that the, the Ted positive, uh, the peace and all of that is really being put on display. The Ted last away is not working. It's not working. They got relegated. They have not won a single match this season. It's not working. So Ted's solution to this seems to be to bring better players in. But that is not a solution. Like that's going to make everybody else who is really bought into trying it Ted's way work. Uh, so I, I think there is a lot of interesting conflict, even in a silly comedy, even in a show that's only half an hour that is emerging and that the show is confident in bringing in and dealing with. And I, I really love that about it. And that's what, another reason why I love that it's week to week for sure. Yeah. I'm uh, thrilled so- with the week to week journey. I'm not the only person that loves it. Our listeners aren't the only person that loves it. You're not the only person that loves it, Josh. Ted Lasso is in the zeitgeist. Uh, in my own world, uh, my favorite baseball team, the Cincinnati Reds. This is, this has, has been big Ted Lasso week. This has been my favorite thing is like living this through you. Uh, so I, I really am glad you're bringing it up because it's just been like, you've been like texting me the updates and be like, cause I'm not going to follow this on my own, but like, I love, I love, I love this journey for, uh, Joey Votts. Yeah. Joey Votto. My favorite athlete of my lifetime uh, as a long-suffering Cincinnati sports fan of all the sports, uh, Joey Votto is this just speaking of skewing mercurial like Joey Votto is an interesting character. He is not a typical athlete. Um, he seems to just be able to dedicate himself to specific aspects of his craft, even if it angers people. Sometimes he trolls people like he is just this exceptional character. And uh, I got to give a shout out to Trent Rosecrans over at the athletic who has provided sort of a glimpse into the mind of Joey Votto. He's gotten Joey Votto on podcasts with Joe Posnanski and Mike Shore of parks and recreation and the good place fame uh, talking about TV and talking about Joey's views on entertainment and athletes like what Ted is our Trent has also uh, done a lot of uh, pieces of other athletes talking about Joey Votto, but Trent is a huge Ted Lasso supporter uh, backer, a fan of the show. Uh, and as Joey Votto went on a historic at 37 years old, uh, hitting streak uh, this week. Uh, Joey Votto said, like, this is some Ted Lasso here. Uh, Joey Votto and his manager are both Ted Lasso supporters, our fans. Uh, and the manager, David Bell, uh, keeps calling Joey Roy. Uh, and Joey's like, well, why are you calling me Roy? And, and the manager's like, well, that's because you're a little bit abrasive. You're, you know, you're a little bit prickly. You're Roy Kent. And jo- Joey's like, I'm not Roy Kent. Like, Roy Kent is old and broken down. And I know I'm 37, but I'm a superstar. I'm Jamie Tart. I'm Jamie Tart. So, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Joey Votto has gone on this legendary home run streak. He hit uh, nine home runs over the course of seven games. Uh, is it over yet, tied, or is it still? It long? is over. Yeah. It, it ended last night at the hands of the New York Metropolitans. Hey, uh, yeah, it, it, it's such a perfect baseball story because it, it it began on a a ball that was barely a home run um, that was not expected to be a home run that by virtue of playing in Cincinnati, which is home run friendly, it went out of the park. It shouldn't have been a home run anywhere else, uh, and it ended on a ball that Joey Votto hit last night that hits basically an inch away from being a home run. A line drive oh, that he hits to the outfield, hits off the top of the wall and doesn't go we out. Love and this. Joey said Joey said that's baseball. Yeah. That's baseball, you know? You can get completely lucky or you can get completely unlucky and that's just the story of the game. You can do everything right and lose and you can do everything wrong and win. Uh and so Trent has been knows providing- he tried. Trent has been providing really good coverage of this whole Ted Lasso, Jamie Tart thing. Uh, at, or tar, sorry, uh, Joey Votto, Jamie you Tart did, thing. Every, you sent me one video of him after hitting yes. a home run where like you can see that he's going around. He's going, me, me. Yes. Is he saying me? And, uh, and, and Trent has been tagging all the people associated with the show. And the, uh, the character, uh, the, the J- Phil Dunster, the actor who plays Jamie Tart, retweeted one of those tweets and said, I hope he's saying meat, meat, uh, <laughs> you know, which I maybe was what, J- what Phil uh, Dunster was saying yeah. instead of me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, that's what the, the joke from the show, that's right? Funny. With, with Ted. And so, uh, I, I just, it, it, the, it's on the radar. Bill Lawrence retweeted it, uh, and, and has been participating in the, the loving Joey Votto talking about Ted Lasso. Uh, one of the home runs Joey hit the other day. He got back into the dugout and, and David Bell just looked at him and said, believe, you know, and Joey Votto said, believe. So it was an unbelievable thing that, that was going on. Uh, and Ted Lasso was front and center of it. Uh, Ted Lasso also front and center in the news in a perhaps less positive way, but in a in perhaps more important way. We had no way of knowing, Josh, that when we talked about the yips, Last episode and when Dr. Fieldstone yeah. was brought in to help Danny Rojas from a psychological perspective and from a mental health perspective, how front and center that was going to be in the discourse in sport in the last week. But with everything that's happening in Tokyo and with everything um, that Simone Biles is doing uh, to protect her mental health and physical health, uh, obviously, it's been it's been center stage uh, in the discourse. Uh, the Ted Lasso could not have accidentally been more timely. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is uh, that's been Ted Lasso's whole journey uh, is like, I think this show arrived in a moment where it was needed. Um, but, you know, it's it's interesting that 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 is uh, front of mind with um, with the conversation about the yips and the premiere. Uh, being timed with everything that's going on in the Olympics right now. And just so many people who just like, just shut up, just shut up. Uh, like, what are you doing? Uh, there's that. There was also, uh, when you and I started rewatching the show, the, the Bismarck line in, yes. in the pilot being, uh, like our rewatch, like, or I guess like your 800 rewatch, but my first rewatch being, <laughs> being timed. That's a read. Being timed directly, uh, with, uh, with, with Bismarck's passing. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's very much just like sort of in the collective consciousness right now. So let's manifest this. Uh, what, what do we want to have happen in like, let's say episode five Ted of Lasso Ted Lasso is going to talk about the show he's been binging on netflix manifest and so manifest <laughs> season four is going to get picked up by netflix <laughs> that's how you want to no, spend this I karma just, this where that's I, my head went. <laughs> I, I was hoping there might be like a I small no pox game other than i know my parents are enjoying the show so i guess i would like some happiness for them uh, uh but i have no skin in the manifest game myself 
Yeah, I watched uh, almost all of season one. I know you have, um, yeah. And I, you know, if if I knew that it ended, I might go back and revisit it all. But knowing that it has not, it doesn't seem like a good reason to do it. Uh, I was going to say smallpox breaks out in the in the locker room, and uh, Richmond leads a mass vaccination drive. Uh, yes. And maybe that uh, accidentally, uh, if you will, uh, comes into the fore. But I guess they would know about that. So I don't know. I don't know what I want to have manifest. Maybe maybe Ted talking to the doctor causes him to burn all of his copies of the Fountainhead. That would be- <laughs> And then everybody <laughs> in the world follows suit. Yes. Yeah. And everyone in the world follows suit. Yeah, that'd be good. Because everyone loves book burning, right? Yeah. Isn't that a good thing? No. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, I'm trending. I'm becoming something I hate. No, I you're incredible. Um, I don't want that to happen. All right. I think I think we can call it here unless there's anything else that you've got from the episode that you want to you shout. The only other thing I want to shout is that Prince of Tides uh, is a book about uh, someone with... Uh, very particular problems with their father uh, and the benefits of psychoanalysis in sorting that out uh, and how it can impact their relationships in a positive way they have in the rest of their lives. Also, not for nothing, a title of a Jimmy Buffett song oh about my God. the same book. Yeah. Uh, it's a very tightly written show. Tight, tight work. Very, very tight work. Tight in terms of the references and the tie-ins and the the ways things cycle back. Maybe a little bit fast and loose with some of the logic, uh, which I think will be interesting. That that's what comes out more in a week to week. It's like, okay, is this does this out of nowhere? Is this going somewhere? Like that's the part I'm interested to fill in. How tight is the logic of the show? Because the internal work of the show is is locked tight. Yeah, locked tight for sure. All right, we're gonna be back next week talking Ted Lasso season two. Episode three. Do we have a title on that yet? Uh, we do have a title do, on do episode three. Do the rightest thing. Do the rightest thing. Yeah. Uh, it's not, it's the not right enough thing. to just do the right thing. Right. You got to do the one that is the rightest. You got to do the one that is the rightest. Yeah. Uh, do the right thing. Also, uh, obviously, an overt film reference. Yes. Um, so where where we will or will not uh, tie in the, the plot of that film or... Anything that comes from that film into the story of next episode remains to be seen. Um, but do the rightest thing. It's, it's interesting. Feels like a um, Jamie Tart quote. Like, it does. like Jamie Tart, like doing his best to do like a Ted Lasso. It's <laughs> not enough to do the thing. right thing. You got to do the rightest thing. Neither of us are good with no, these accents. No, I, like, lo- I, I could really work on I it. I love Jamie Tart's voice so much, by the way. Uh, I could just listen to a podcast of of just Jamie Tartisms, and I would be very, very happy. Well, what would that be like, ASMR kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's a Mancunian accent, so it's a little bit triggering for me. That's that Manchester accent. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I'd like to see some Geordie accents on the show. Like there, there are some very particular, uh, British accents. So the Scouse, the Liverpool accent is, you know, obviously one that a lot of people point to or make, uh, make light of or, or deal with. But there are obviously huge regional dialects in the UK that don't obviously quickly stand out, uh, unless you really start to isolate them. So Jamie's is a very specific one. Uh, and it is a very fun one to play with on the show. He's good at it. I mean, I, really like what phil dunster's doing like i said this is his best episode we had not been doing this josh but was he the uh the player of this episode oh was Jamie interesting Tart? um it's him or it's roy for me uh and i i am very inclined to uh to you know roy ken is just it he would hate it he's just so easy to love though you know as a character um and seeing him like get back into it and then come back on the other side of uh of the 
of the gig and being like thrilled about it made me very happy personally. Um, but yeah, Jamie Tart has obviously a huge episode, and I think like it's no it's no coincidence that he's the character we started talking about. Uh, you know, at the top of the podcast, he's certainly the first character and the last character uh, of central focus this week on the show. Uh, this is definitely the best Jamie Tart episode so far. It's the best Jamie Tart episode so far. I might give my player of the match uh, award to Higgins. Uh, a lot of what Higgins is doing <laughs> yeah. is he's like uh, stitching play together. You know what I mean? He's recycling the ball a lot. Yeah. He's vital. It's like one of those guys you don't realize the importance of the team until you take him out of it. Uh, I think Higgins might be my pick for this episode. And I guess for my for the first episode, I probably would have picked uh, Dr. Fieldstone. Uh, she came in and fixed Danny Rojas like, right away. Uh, I'm after surprised she you wouldn't have picked Danny dog. Rojas. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that much of a monster, Josh. Come on now. Uh, Certainly yeah, not uh, I, on air. Uh, not on air. <laughs> <laughs> That's another read. Yeah. Reading me for filth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I uh, I think I would have picked Doctor Fieldstone for episode one, and I, I got Higgins for episode two. So let's let's continue to try to do that. Yeah, as we go I, forward, who would I have, who would I have had for episode one? Is is my question. Um, I mean, may, I I think. Roy's speech to Rebecca last week probably would have been Roy for me last week. So just to break it up, I'll go, I'll go, I'll be basic and I'll, I'll say Jamie Tart week too. Um, okay. So you've got Roy and Jamie yeah. and I've got the doctor and our I've MVPs got, uh, so far. If anyone's I've tracking our, that stuff, we're certainly going to yeah. track that. Um, all right. So next week, do the rightest thing. Season two, episode three, get your feedback in Ted Lasso at postshowrecaps.com or you can talk to us in the post show recaps patron discord at that $10 level patreon.com slash post show recaps we love the community that we're building around ted lasso specifically it's a really fun channel so if you want to get in on that again it's early in the month it's a great time to sign up patreon.com slash post show recaps we're grateful for anyone who's able to do it and no worries at all if you're not uh you could talk to us on twitter we will talk back to you at round howard at ac mazzaro um antonio anything else that's really, really it. Uh, it really is. I, I love the way that this episode, by the end of it, I love that little subtle transition from the night, uh, before when they're treating the pitch because seemingly the weather is about to come down, uh, to the snow in the next morning. I just love those little quiet moments that the show is doing. Uh, I don't think any more time was to pass than just that one night. Uh, but a lot happened in that one night, clearly. So I will be interested to see, as I said, where we go with the time passage for the next episode. Is it going to be right away? Are we going to spend more time? Are we going to jump into the middle of things? Uh, I'm fascinated to see uh, what the show is doing with time uh, this season. And if they're going to cover the whole season, um, we're going to have to do some sped up time at some point. So it will be interesting to see how we track that. All right. Well, we're going to find out in no time at all. We'll be back next week talking season two, episode three. Until then, everybody take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.